The world is changing. Everything has shifted, including how we relate to each other. We hear, but we do not listen. We're together, but feel alone. We speak, but struggle to communicate. It doesn't have to be this way. We can all adjust the way we relate to one another. Good morning, church. How are you today? Good? Good. Good morning online. Can't see you, but I'm glad that you're there with us today. I'm Pastor Kurt, if we've not met before, and I get the honor of leading you through today's message. Uh, My wife and I just got back Friday night from a trip to Holland, not Michigan, the Netherlands, and it was a very unique trip. We got to be on this old recovered barge. It was a barge called, and it's called the Vertroen, which in English means truth. And so this old barge used to haul, uh, it's a 1908 barge, and it used to haul manure one way up the canal and peat down the other way of the canal for burning, right? And now it was hauling us, and I choose to to be peat, you know, so just saying I'm identifying with with peat today. Um, But being on this barge together with some friends of ours, uh, one of them is a part owner in this barge. Uh, was really, really great. It, it brought our relationship to a whole new level because you can't live together in those tight quarters without really knowing each other better. Like, for example, my wife and Rob had uh, this competition going on for who had the worst hair every day. I mean, there was some scary hair going on on the barge. Uh, we got to see what our marriages are really like living together for eight days on the barge. After a couple of days, you start talking to your spouse like you do at home except now people are listening, right? And so, and so that was going on. And at the end of the time, Donna, who's the wife of Rob, said, you know, Kurt, I feel like we, uh, we took our relationship as couples to a whole new level. Like we know each other better than we've ever known before, and we still love each other. Like we accept each other, even though, right? Even though we see the problems and the issues. And that's what happens when you live on a boat for eight days with a couple of other couples. They get to know the real you, like... I'm not the funnest guy to live with. I just got to break it to you. And you wouldn't know that unless you live with me. So when they live with me, they figured that out. But they still love me. They still accept me. They still want to know me. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, I believe that some of that was lost in the last few years with COVID. Some things happened in our hearts. Some things happened in our lives. Now, I, I want to address that today, uh, that I believe that it's time that we, we bring our relationship uh, back toward vulnerable and away from protecting our heart. Now, I know we got to have some protection, right? But I mean, we need to move in our relationships toward trusting again and toward uh, opening up and being who we are with one another. Uh, I, I was talking with an older couple recently, and they were sharing with me one of the hurts that happened to them during the whole COVID thing, and that was in their relationship with their children. Um, their children and you know, by proxy, their grandchildren were not allowed to be seen by this couple for about a year. And I know that happened with some of you, and I know that was very, very painful for them because of the fear of catching COVID or, or giving COVID. Uh, they wouldn't let their, their parents come and see the kids or the grandkids. And they were sharing that even now, even a year, year and a half later, that the relationship is still strained and that it's been difficult to open up Again, it's been difficult to, you know, share their real heart. Um, and the question is, when I've been hurt this way, how do I trust again? And it's not just COVID. It can be 
anything in life, there's lots of things that hurt us, right? How do I trust again? I've been hurt in life. I've had to learn to trust again. I know that you've been hurt in life and you've needed to learn to trust again. So how do I open up and pursue again, pursue relationship, pursue being known when I feel like I've been rejected and I've been hurt? To add to that, I've had over the years, the last couple of years, dozens and dozens of conversations like these with people who have lived through COVID like, like you did, and they're still struggling. There are, there are, I would say, hundreds of people in our community still really struggling. And I would like to call this, what I'm going to call a disorder, uh, PCTD, post-COVID trust disorder. That's what I truly believe we are struggling with on this other side of this pandemic. Uh, and that is to say that trust has been broken in a lot of ways between family, between friends, between the organization that you've worked for. I mean, there was a lot of trust that was broken. There were a lot of broken hearts, uh, even friends that had disagreements over, you know, to vax, to not vax, to mask, to, to not mask. I mean, all of that took its toll on our hearts, and I don't believe we've fully recovered. And so as we talk about relationships, I want to talk to you this morning about moving away from protecting ourselves, our hearts, you know, putting a guard up, and moving toward being vulnerable with one another. Uh, I've also heard countless stories of loyal employees that worked for places for 20 years and 30 years that were just discarded, that were fired uh, because of disagreements with COVID. Um, people like caregivers, nurses, first responders, police officers, border and customs agents. Our church is filled with people like this. And these are the very ones that we depend on to keep us safe, right? And they were kind of left by the wayside. So these painful kinds of situations, I believe, caused us to put some protection up over our hearts. I did. I did. I had some things go sideways in relationships with good friends. And I had to, felt like I had to put up my walls to protect myself, pull back a little bit, you know, from some of those relationships. After all, you know, why would I trust when trust has been broken? And why would we trust now when we have felt abandoned, when we have felt betrayed, when the organization that you served for a number of years has let you go or discarded you? So where does this leave us? Where does it leave us? And I think that even now, it's leaving us in this place of post-COVID trust disorder. I, I really think. I really think that's the case. Um, it's caused by broken trust, and its main symptom is the inability to trust again. And so I want to talk to you this morning about how we can do that, how we can move away from this idea that says, well, I can't trust, so I'm going to have to just take care of myself. I don't think that's what the Lord has for us. So let's talk about for a minute how this happens to us. How do we get to this place? And here's how it happens. When you've been hurt, and again, it doesn't have to be COVID. It can be anything. It can be a relationship. It can be a friendship. It can be whatever. But when we've been hurt, we have this tendency to put a guard up over our hearts. Like I said, I have that same tendency to put up our guard, to not trust that people are going to do good things with us. Why? Because they haven't. They haven't. And so now we're left in this place that uh, we feel like we need to self-protect. And I'm saying that we need to move from that bent in our life and move more toward being vulnerable with one another again, especially the church, especially the church. And here's, I'm going to tell you why this morning. So vulnerability, let's just talk about that for a minute. What does it mean to be vulnerable? Well, vulnerability is a condition that we don't normally think of as positive. We think of it as, as risky or inviting, you know, being hurt or inviting pain into your life to be vulnerable. But really, 
what vulnerable means is that I would open myself up to you at the risk of being rejected. That's what I would do. And that I might be rejected and I might feel rejected. And generally, wouldn't you agree that rejection isn't something that we're looking for, <laughs> that we really want in life? Would you agree with that? Like you don't get up in the morning and you say, well, I'm going to be vulnerable today and we'll just see who rejects me. <laughs> I mean, that, that, you know, that, that's not what we want in life. We might say, I'm going to be vulnerable today and I hope that I get accepted, right? I'm going to be myself, hope that I get accepted. But vulnerability is choosing to invite somebody to know you, the real you, the person that you know you are, and to accept you in your imperfections, in your frailties, in your struggles, um, in all those things. It's kind of like living on a boat with six people. It's kind of like that, except this boat is every day. It's every day of our life. We're with our friends. And I'm not talking about being vulnerable with the whole world. I'm saying there are certain people in your life and in my life that we need to open up to again and start to connect with again. And you would ask yourself the question, why would I do that? <laughs> Fool me once, right? Why would I do that? And I'm going to tell you today that because choosing to let others know the real me, choosing to open up my heart and give myself is a powerful, a beautiful and even a godly thing. It is a Christ-modeling thing. And, and it can produce the kinds of relationships that we really long for, but that maybe we think we can't have. I found that to be true in my life. So again, going through the pandemic, I think, I don't think we've emerged entirely. I think we're still wounded. I think we're still limping. Uh, but going through this pandemic and the conflict that some of the mandates caused in our lives shifted us, I believe, into this self-protection mode. I'm just not quite as sure about you as I used to be. You know what I mean? That's kind of how we view each other. What, what are you going to do if I open up to you? Uh, there were so many levels of disagreement. You know, people were afraid of getting in trouble, of being found out. They were afraid of being reported or doing something wrong, and, and they lived in fear. And I believe that in our country, this general sense of distrust of one another is kind of what we've been left with. We have our guard up. Even the mask that was intended to be a good thing and keep us from getting or spreading this disease, I think it had an unintended effect. And as a psychology person, as a counselor, um, I think that it put us in this place where we couldn't really see each other anymore. Like, like I'm a face reader, you know, and when you take away your face, I can't, I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what's going on, right? But, but if you show me your face, I can at least kind of enter into what's happening in your heart. But we couldn't read each other. And our faces express what's going on in the soul. And so I think we suffered from that. I really feel like, like this covering of our face translated to a covering of our soul. And now not only could we, you know, were we protecting ourselves, but now we were protecting our very souls. So the problem is, the problem with this, is that when we cover our soul, when we hold back who we are, our true self, we will not be known we will not be truly known. And again, I'm not saying you do this with the whole world. I'm saying there are one or two or three people in your life that you need to do this with. Um, to be known and to be accepted, like eating, like shelter, like water, is a primary human emotional need. We all need to be known. It's the beautiful thing about being Christians is that we are known by God, right? Deeply. Um, but we want to be known by one another. But in order to be known by one another, we must risk rejection. But the outcome is worth it. And the outcome is great relationships. 
So number one in your notes today, what I want to share with you is this, that great relationships emerge from a willingness to be vulnerable. From a willingness to be vulnerable. So this was kind of cool, what happened to us on our trip. We were on the train from Germany into the Netherlands, and Germany requires you to wear a mask on the train. So we were wearing our masks, and everybody was wearing their masks, right? And so you can't really see or connect with people. And there was this foursome sitting across the aisle, and they were talking and laughing and having a good time. And I felt like I wanted to enter in, like I wanted to you know, see their faces. I wanted to know what was going on with them, but I, but I couldn't. And so the German train attendant was you know, walking down the aisles, making sure he was pretty militant about the masking thing. And um, so in the middle of our trip, we look around, and nobody's wearing masks anymore, except us. We're the only ones, right? We're the only ones wearing a mask, and this, these foursome across the aisle, they're laughing at us. They're like, take it off. We're like, what happened? And they're like, we just crossed over into the Netherlands. And you don't... So here's this train full of people have been masked for the last two hours. And now we're, we crossed an invisible... There was no city. There was just a line, and they all knew what it was, and we didn't know. And then the guy comes down the aisle again, and he's laughing. He goes, you can take off your mask. We're in the Netherlands. I'm like... What is going on here? You know what I mean? But here's the beauty of it. From that moment on, I felt like I could enter in to what was happening. There were smiles given and received by this foursome that we were sitting across the aisle from, and they were German, and uh, it was just a whole other thing. It was so nice. And I just want to say today that there is such a power and a beauty in being vulnerable to let people see you to let people enter into your condition, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly, <laughs> to be known by somebody. But the risk is they may know you and then reject you, and that's a risk every one of us faces, and that's why we hold back. We think that if we really let people know who we are, what we think, what's going on in our hearts, uh, will you still accept me? And this may surprise you, but I struggle with that thought. If you really knew me, that's why the boat was such an amazing experience, because they got to know me after a few days. And I think when we got off the boat, I think they still love me. I hope they do. You know, maybe if they invite me back, I'll find out. Rob, I know you're listening, so invite us back. Um, but here's what happens when you, when you invite people into that place of who you are, and you start to share at a deeper level, uh, offer the real you, it starts to make a difference in their life. It's not only you that needs to be known. It's not only you that needs to know one another, it's others as well. And so you get to model this for them, and that's what Jesus did. Philippians 2, 5 through 8, here we are, scripture time. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians 2, or you can watch on the screen behind me. Here's what it says. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. There's no better definition of vulnerability than that. Here's God who decides, I'm not going to protect my godhood I'm not going to protect myself from humanity, but rather I'm going to enter in to humanity. And for their benefit and for their sake, I'm going to let them know me. And not only that, but I'm going to give them my very self. Body, soul, I'm going to give it all 
so that they can experience relationship with me, so that they can experience relationship with God. This is the best picture of vulnerability I can give you. And offering the true you, offering the true you so that somebody else can benefit. And you may not believe that somebody else could benefit, and maybe that's part of the problem. But I'm telling you, there's somebody out there that needs to know the real you. And so offering the true you, like with Jesus, offering the true you can bring sadness. It can bring pain into your life. Not everyone will always accept you, and that's just the truth of it. But it's worth the risk for the potential depth of relationship that you may have with somebody. Now, Jesus opened up his life so that we could know him, and it cost him his life. And that's a very real risk. There was an eternal power in his vulnerability that he wanted us to experience. And so he opened up and he offered it to us. This power that he offered to us was the power of him to save us, of him to redeem us, and of him to restore us. And by him opening up and choosing not to self-protect, he gave us all that. And then there was a beauty also that he gave through his vulnerability. And this was the beauty of knowing God. Can you imagine knowing God? We get to know God and being known by God at our deepest levels, even better than we know ourselves. God knows us. And to have that relationship with God. And here's what you need to understand is that Jesus didn't want the pain either. No more than we want the pain of rejection. Jesus didn't want it. In fact, he asked his father if he would take the pain away. And we find that in Luke chapter 22. He says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want to do your will, not mine. So Jesus chose to do the Father's will, to be vulnerable, to not protect himself, because he knew the power of defeating sin and defeating death, and he knew what that would give you. And what that would give me, what that would give us, that, that the power of him laying down his life would, would establish relationship with us, and we would get to experience the love of God. So, so powerful and so beautiful. So he knew that he was going to suffer, and he did it anyway. He knew that he was going to be rejected, and yet he chose to be vulnerable. Spiritually, he would be separated from his father, and still he chose to open up and let us know him. Here's what I want to say about us and about this vulnerability thing, and that is that people are going to hurt us. You're going to be hurt. I'm going to be hurt. We're going to fail each other. We're going to let each other down from time to time. It's called being human. <laughs> that is what being human is. You can't fully trust that somebody's going to do good things with you when you open your heart to somebody. Now, I think you should expect your friends are going to let you down from time to time. And just be ready for it. I mean, don't look for it, but realize that there is always pain of some level in relationships. But that doesn't change the beauty of the gift. Does that make sense? Jesus experienced the rejection, but it cha didn't change the beauty of the gift. The gift is still beautiful, whether or not somebody accepts it or, re or rejects you. And you can offer, just like Jesus did, by placing your trust in the same God that he did. Like, like, I don't think he could do this in his own strength. He had to trust his father to help him, to help him get through this time. And so you open up to others knowing that you may be hurt, but trusting that God is good enough to get you through if you are hurt. That's the risk involved. So number two in your notes today, the ability to be vulnerable 
in a relationship comes from trusting in God's goodness. It doesn't come from trusting in the people that you're trying to love. It doesn't come from trusting in your own ability to be a great person, but it comes from trusting in God's goodness, and that's where Jesus placed his trust. In Psalms 18, you guys know I love the Psalms, right? I post a Psalm every day. I love the Psalms, and I think Jesus depended on these scriptures as well. Verses 1 and 2 says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and he is my place of safety. Now, Jesus didn't do what he came to do just because he thought people were going to be kind and happy and were going to receive him. It was going to be all good, right? Jesus did what he decided to do for us knowing that he couldn't trust us, knowing that there was going to be rejection. And the way he was able to do that, the reason he was able to still love and and offer himself, even though he knew this, is that he had a deeper trust. And I call this the deeper trust of relationships. There's got to be more to trust than trusting the person. In fact, I would say to you, you can't always trust the person, just like they can't always trust you, right? There's got to be a deeper trust when it comes to our relationships and being vulnerable. And that deeper trust is in God. It's God's strength. It's God's protection. It's God's refuge. It's God's goodness. Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. I have found that if I'm going to be vulnerable, if I'm going to open my heart to somebody, and I'm going to offer somebody to know me, and hopefully to accept me, to offer the gift of myself, there's got to be a deeper trust. And that deeper trust has to be in what I believe about God. And there's four things that I've really given my life to believe about God that I want to share with you today that that help me invest in relationships even though it can be scary and it can feel like there could be rejection. And, And here it is. This is what anchors me. And the first truth about God is that God is great, so I don't have to be. God is great. I'm not so great. God is great. I don't have to be perfect, if that were even possible. I don't have to be great. I just need to be me, to the best of my ability, be who God has made me, and let him be great for me. Does that make sense? Like, like nobody's great enough to succeed in every relationship. But God is great enough to help us succeed in relationships. And Jesus is greater than any risk. In fact, he's sovereign, and so he allows what he knows he's going to allow, and then if he allows it, we can trust that he has a plan for it, and so that we can offer ourselves, even though we fear rejection, because we know that God has a plan. Does that make sense? The second thing I believe about God that I think helps us to trust is that God is good. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good, right? And I believe that he's good enough to get us through any relational issue. Now, that doesn't mean every relationship's going to succeed. Some will fail. Some will fail. But it does mean that God is good enough to get you through any betrayal, any rejection, any abandonment that you may face in life. And he's still good, even if that happens to you. So God is good enough for you to be vulnerable with the people in your life. Thirdly, I believe that my God is glorious and that he wants to do glorious things with what I have to offer. And he wants to do glorious things with what you have to offer. 
So what God tells you to offer, offer that and offer it for his glory. Offer it for his glory. And that includes our human relationships. I think he's glorified anytime any marriage succeeds, <laughs> you know, because the odds are great that they won't. But he's glorified when we can learn to trust his glory for that. And the fourth thing is that God is gracious. God is gracious. He's gracious with me. He sees my flaws. Trust me, I've got them. He sees my struggles. He sees my issues. And yet he has grace for me. He still accepts me and he still accepts you. So to be vulnerable means that you depend on grace. Realizing that sometimes you're going to fail and you'll be failed, but that God's grace is enough for you. Paul said that. His grace is sufficient. So living on a boat with you doesn't mean that I trust that you'll treat me well every moment. Although Rob and Donna did an amazing job of hospitality with us. And Toby and Kelly are just fun to be with, right? And so a lot of fun. Uh, so living on a boat with you doesn't guarantee me that things are going to go great. Things can go sideways in a small space with six people. Um, but I'm not trusting you for that. But I'm trusting that God will give us enough to get through anything like that that happens. In fact, Psalm 118 says, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. And Jesus became vulnerable with us. He became our refuge so that we could be vulnerable with each other. So that's number three. Jesus died for our vulnerabilities and our weak human condition. Isaiah 53, it tells us that, that Jesus died not only for our eternal life, not only for our salvation, but for a lot of other things. Jesus' death was not just for the one big thing. There's a lot of other things, and here they are. It was our weakness he carried it was our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sin. He was beaten so that we could be whole. Did you know that God wants to heal your heart from the things you've been through? And Jesus took the beating so that he could do that. He could heal your hearts. He was whipped so that we could be healed. Some of you have experienced that healing that, that Jesus has brought to you as he's restored your soul. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet, the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. So Jesus took our sins upon himself, but he also took our weaknesses. He took our frailties. He took our struggles. He took the things that are hard for us, our wounded hearts, so that we could be whole, so that we could be healed, so that we could have something good to offer one another. It's Jesus that heals us so that we can be a wounded healer. We can be somebody that says, look what Jesus did for me. Let me help you find that healing in your own life. And that's number four. We invest best in relationships by keeping our eyes on Jesus who has invested in us. Now, my wife and I have some modest investments, and trust me, they're modest. Or at least we did last month. We're not quite sure. We haven't looked yet <laughs> to see exactly what last month has brought us. So like some of you do once a year, we sit with our portfolio guy and it doesn't take long to do this. Um, and he always asks us this question. Has anything changed in the risk that you want to take this year? Like low risk in your investment, medium risk or high risk? And I'm a low to medium guy. Like that's just where I live. Does that surprise you? And my, my wife is a medium to high 
And so we have to come to some agreements as far as, you know, how we're going to invest. But he always talks about the potential for ROI. You know what ROI is? Return on investment. That wherever you invest it, there's a return, but it's not always, they're not always the same. So if you go low a risk, you're going to get probably a lower return. If you go high risk, you'll get a higher return, but the risk is higher. Does that make sense? And this is exactly what's true about our relationships. That if you choose to invest low, in other words, keep the guard up over your heart and never really risk letting somebody know you, the real you, and giving yourself to people to know them, then the risk is low, but the return will be low. You will never have the depth of relationship that you long for. I can tell you the greatest driving force in my life is the desire to be known and to know. That's it. And all of us have it. And that's why we're so happy we found Jesus, because we get it with him. But he also wants us to get it with one another and to give it to one another. And so the best ROI, return on our investment that we can hope for, the highest potential in our life is that we would, would be vulnerable with one another and would allow somebody in. Again, not the whole world, but a few people in your life and move past self-protection. And I'm telling you this because it's healthy. I don't want us to stay stuck in this self-protection mode. And so moving toward vulnerability is what we're after. And I believe it's what God is after for us. He wants that for us. So how do we do this? I believe we do it by keeping our eyes on Jesus, to see the rich return of the potential of our investment. And that's found in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight, every fear, that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, the one who did it. We keep our eyes on him. He initiates. He perfects our faith. He helps us become whole because of the joy awaiting him. And I want you to get this, that, that Jesus did what he did. Jesus was vulnerable for us. Jesus didn't self-protect. Jesus gave it all for the joy that was awaiting him. He knew not everybody was going to accept him. He knew he was going to be rejected. And yet he did it for the joy of you. For the joy of you. For the joy of you knowing him. And he knew one day he would have a people that he would be in eternity with. He would have a bride, that's us. And so for the joy set before him, Jesus did what he did for us. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Listen, Jesus gave his life for us because of the joy of knowing he was going to have a people to call his own. And that's you and I. And I believe that Jesus wants us to give our own lives that way. So there's a greater and a more glorious reason than just better relationships, although those are good. I believe in great relationships. I believe in going deeper with one another. But there's something even more glorious, and that is that somehow, through me becoming more open, from you becoming more open, letting people see who Jesus is in you and what he's done for you and how he's healed your heart, that that would somehow draw somebody to Christ. That would somebody help somebody deepen their relationship with Christ. And I can tell you what, that would bring amazing glory to Jesus Christ, is if you allow him 
to use your life and your heart that way. And I believe that's what Jesus wants for every one of us. So would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you, and this is just if you're willing for this and you want this in your life. If you have felt like, you know, you were hurt and trust was broken with you some way over the last few years, and again, it doesn't have to be COVID-related, but that's what I saw a lot of, and, and you've had some protection in your life because you have felt like you had to, and I get that, I understand that. But if you would desire to move past that and move into a more open, vulnerable, um, heart-sharing way with people, then I think the Holy Spirit would love to do that for you. And this is for men too, by the way. This is for men as well as women. I believe there's some men in the room that God wants to use you to deepen relationship with another man um, and just really enjoy the relationship that comes from that. So if you're willing, let me pray for you. Just bow our heads. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came and you didn't protect yourself. You came and you trusted your father to do his will in your life and through your life. Thank you that we're the beneficiaries of what you did. And we enjoy relationship with you today and a deeper relationship with one another because of what you gave. And we honor that today. We worship you today for that, Lord. And Father, I just pray for anybody in the room today who feels like, yeah, I'm a little stuck in this area. I, I have been hurt. And uh, man, I just don't know how to get by it. Lord, I just pray for your touch, for your healing word to them, for, uh, for the ability to move past distrust and the self-protection it brings and to move into that vulnerable place where they are willing to share their heart where they are willing to reestablish a friendship that was broken, where they are willing to move back toward their children or toward their parents, um, even though they were hurt and felt abandoned. God, I just pray for those that lost jobs because of the mandates and choices that we made. God, I just pray that you would reestablish trust, that, that there is a goodness from you that is bigger and can help them move back into a meaningful uh, work again, God. I just pray that you would heal all those areas, Lord, and, and help us to be a people that are, are willing to let others see you in us and in doing so, draw others to you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen, amen. There's a song that we're gonna close with today and it just really lays out all that Jesus accomplished for us. And so sing it with all your hearts and proclaim what he has done for us. Let's sing.